everybody. Welcome back to A Shared Word. Sandy and I are thrilled that you are here. Uh, we're going through a study on uh, wisdom sayings through the Proverbs. And here we are, Sandy. This is our seventh week. And this week we've decided to talk about uh, the wisdom of loving kindness. Why is that so important when it comes to wisdom sayings? Well, isn't it interesting? I mean, it shouldn't surprise us. I think Christians, Jews, and other people of other traditions and views that loving kindness would make it to the top 10 list or the top five list even. Uh, it's central, isn't it? I mean, certainly within Christianity, within Judaism, we see significant reverence for the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting to me that uh, Jesus chooses this in his answer to what is the great commandment, this in love of God. And uh, Jewish sages and uh, very religious people will look to love of the other, love of the neighbor as central. And I just think it's central. I mean, you and I talked about it, and we'll spend a little bit of time just at the very beginning of these wisdom sayings, these sayings of the fathers, which is, I uh, don't want to get too technical about it, but it's... Uh, really an important part of the Mishnah, important part of Jewish sacred documents. Right at the beginning, really in the first chapter, second verse, uh, the world is sustained by three things we read. Torah, which is the word of God. Service, that is the idea that we're here to serve God and other people. And deeds of loving kindness. There it is. Um, and so uh, there's no question but that in our tradition it's central. Let me start with an idea about why, and then I want to hear from you. What, what is the world to be if we don't treat each other with love? I mean, it uh, seems to me that uh, uh, the world can be a cruel place. Uh, it can be harsh. It can be cold. It can be lonely. And I think God has given us the capacity to give and receive love. Uh, it's a way of seeing the divine. We'll talk about this through various uh, sayings that we talk about. Uh, Martin Buber has this idea of the I-thou relationship, mm. that I treat other people as much as I can looking for the thou in them. Because I love God, and if I see God in other people, and uh, I, I seek to live with them in a loving way. And in doing that, I bring God into our relationship, into our lives. It makes life so much more precious, so much more valuable, so much more beautiful, so much more caring, so much so much less lonely. And it seems to me that's why it's right up there mm -hmm. uh, with God's word and the idea of service as something important for us. Mm -hmm. Help me out. Give me some further now, thoughts. I, what I love about this wisdom saying is it's how it's sustained. You know, this is how life is sustained. So life cannot be sustained without love and kindness. Beautiful. And uh, even I think for our, you know, our shared, uh, our shared religion, if you were to take the aspect of love out of it, it can't stand because that's just how God has intended it. And so for me, even when I think about the Torah, the acts of service and deeds of love and kindness, I, in some ways, I kind of break that down to think of mind, the Torah being truth. Mm -hmm body, which is serving and caring for each other. But then there's the heart. There's the heart that has to be sustained. Uh, th that, that seems like a wise saying to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And how do we manifest it, Mark? I mean, how do we, I think that's what these, we've chosen some wisdom sayings, and I, I don't mean to uh, put the pressure on you because I think we'll see it in the wisdom sayings we've chosen to discuss. I think that's something that's very important for our discussion and for those who are listening to us. That's good. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark and Sandy. I appreciate that. But how do I see it? In what, in what ways do I uh, experience it in my life? Uh, and we want to invite people to think about those. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are deeds of loving kindness? Can we think of some? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, some of the classic ones in Jewish tradition, uh, they often involve helping somebody in need. Mm-hmm. And I think this is obviously true in Christianity, in Jesus' life mm-hmm. and example, uh, that we're helping somebody who needs us or who needs help. Um, not and everyone and one could argue in a way that everyone needs help from others, even those who don't seem needy have need of love. But the idea that we would want to help a person who's a mourner uh, at their time of mourning, at, at least in the official time of mourning, uh, where comforting can be done. So we walk with the mourner at a funeral. Uh, this idea of walking, hmm. walking with God, is showing love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we walk uh, with uh, the bride uh, at her wedding uh, to honor her and to be there as part of sharing the joy. Uh, that's a form of that's a deed of loving kindness. Uh, the idea of being available for those in need in the most loving way we can. For example, uh, segmenting off the corners of our field mm-hmm. so that they're not begging for charity. But there's a way in which we allow, we encourage people to come and share as they need. Uh, that's a deed of loving kindness. These are some classical examples. What mm-hmm. uh, what comes to your mind when we think of deeds of loving kindness? Yeah, so I think about my own communities that I have of faith or uh-huh. friendship, you know, whether it be in church or a group of friends that we have chosen to walk in life together. And one of the things that I found uh, in my life, in my even in my younger age, is that when you walk with people and you seek to have a mutual relationship of love and kindness it is an incredible privilege to take turns for one another when it's when my when my numbers come up and i'm going through a tragedy or i'm going through a hardship that someone else is there waiting to to step in to bear my burden with me and it's a privilege to in turn do that for other people again i think to that word sustained i have been sustained by that and it would not have been enough if it was just Torah and service. That's beautiful. I love the way you take it back to that wisdom saying, the sustaining effect yeah. of loving kindness. You know, you think about when, one of the features of, of when people are there for you. I think of the mitzvah of, uh, of stopping to help a person whose cart has gone off in a ditch or whose animal has gone off in a ditch. You know, we're busy and it's so... Uh, tempting and I feel it you feel it I'm sure just to keep going but when someone stops what they are doing their lives to come and help us or others and when we do it for someone else that has loving kindness in it it's not just doing something helpful to another person and I think it's that feeling of this person stopped the normal course of life to help me or I sacrificed the normal course of life to help them that's what sustains the world. Yeah. Because that feeling of love that you have is something that keeps you going. Yeah. I think that's what you've been arguing. I think yeah. that's really lovely. I want to ask you, let's go to our next segment. Yeah. Speaking of having to keep moving. <laughs> having to keep moving to sustain ourselves and our audience <laughs> to keep them here with us sustained. 
Uh, one of the great sages of all time in Judaism is a fellow named Johann ben Zakkai, who uh, actually was responsible for sustaining Judaism. One of the most famous discussions he had that's recorded is he asked his pupils, what is the right way for a person to live his life? And he got different answers. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer said, a generous eye. Uh, Rabbi Yehoshua said, a good colleague or a friend. Rabbi Jose said, foresight. And Rabbi Eliezer said, a good heart. To which Yohanan said, Eliezer's answer is the best because a good heart encompasses them all. So I want us to have a little discussion about this very famous discussion. I think it has a lot to do with loving kindness. Um, why is Eliezer's answer right? I want to ask that question. And what do we mean by a good heart? I want to get specific because I want us and our listeners to be thinking, okay, uh, I'm into loving kindness. They've convinced me this is really important. What does a good heart mean and what does it add to our understanding of loving kindness? I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm trying to think. I stumped you. This is very refreshing <laughs> to me. It makes me think, might a good heart actually pull in? Maybe the wisdom is that it pulls in these other aspects. So uh, a good heart is having a generous eye, which is, for me, it's the way in which you look at this world and other people is that through compassion and love and generosity. Um, there's, there's a lot of wisdom and truth that being a good friend, you can't be a good friend without a good heart. You can't be a, a, a true colleague without having kindness in your heart towards others. Uh, and foresight, for me, that makes me think of wisdom, the, the idea of anticipation and, and being able to have insight into what's coming ahead. But if you don't have a good heart, who cares? It just seems like it's an opportunity just to anticipate, but that's not enough. That's not true wisdom. I love, you know, you have brought me for saying you didn't know that you didn't have the answer. You've given me insights into this passage I didn't have until our discussion. Because what you're saying is, what I love about it is you had trouble with a good heart by itself. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, when you saw his wisdom and said, you know, maybe I get the answer to what a good heart is by looking at the other three qualities and putting them together and recognizing that each one of them has value, but not alone. Mm -hmm. It's the combination of the three, which I think makes the answer uh, absolutely the only correct one. Because we want all three. We want to be able to look out into the world optimistically, hopefully, uh, generously, with, with a sense of giving, a giving attitude, which we get out of a generous eye. A good colleague or a friend, a person that we travel life with, that we have as a companion. Our relationship, mm -hmm. I think of you as a good colleague and friend. It's very important to me to have that. And anticipation, as you say, foresight. Maybe a good heart. And remember the Hebrew word for heart, lev, also means mind. So it's kind of a mind-heart combination. So maybe having a good mind-heart is having these other three qualities. And having them, isn't it so, is so essential to guiding us in the ways of loving kindness. Isn't it really these three things together that uh, make us think about what loving kindness is, dedicate ourselves to more loving kindness in our lives? recognize it when we see it do it more often mm -hmm. isn't it a good heart that leads us through these three qualities yeah.
let's look on. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, this next idea, which I think is also important to think about, particularly in these uh, political times in which we're living. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer, who was one of those disciples of Yohanan, uh, said, let your fellow's honor be as dear to you as your own. Uh, what does that mean? Um, it obviously has something to do with loving kindness. And why do you think this is particularly valuable uh, in the times in which we live? Yeah, so the idea of what does it mean to honor others is a really important and, like you said, a timely uh, thing for us to consider. Um, because, yeah, it, there seems to be a lot of dishonoring right now. If you want to, if you want to prop yourself up, rather than, it seems like a shortcut. The best way to make yourself look great is to dishonor everyone around you, dishonor your opponent, whoever's on the other side of that issue. When in the end, you're not doing anything other than just uh, living in an unwise way. You know, let your fellows' honor be as dear as your own. It has this golden rule type feeling to it of how would you like to be treated? How would you like to be honored? And that's something that's really, really important for us because it's really not, it feels very natural for us to care about our own honor. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's in, in today's politics, and I guess I'm not all that distant from the world of politics, and I'm, I'm happy, uh, selfishly happy in a way, that when I was active, it seemed to me there was more honoring the other side. But honoring the other side uh, in political terms means to me that you at least, the minimum threshold is, you respect the fact that the other person has a basis for what, they're, what they believe. Yeah. And that it's honorable, uh, whether they're right or not. Uh, they've come to a position uh, with thought, uh, with care, uh, with judgment, whether you disagree with it or not, and I honor uh, how they came to it. They're not a, bu they're not a bum. Mm-hmm. I don't start with the idea that they're illegitimate or that they're not patriotic or that there's something uh, so deeply flawed with them that I shouldn't even engage in a discussion or a negotiation with them. Uh, that is to dishonor, it seems to me. Uh, I don't see how a community can thrive with, that, with, with the lack of mutuality and the lack of respect and the lack of love that that connotes. And that is a lot of what our modern day politics mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I just, I know I'm on a little bit of a soapbox here, but I think this goes to uh, um, the importance of loving kindness, of the golden rule of loving our neighbor and its importance in our social lives, yeah. our community lives. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I once I once went to a, a, a counselor of sorts because of a conflicted relationship that I just couldn't get out of. I couldn't get out of it. And uh, I, I talked to this person. I said, I just don't even like this other person. And this was a long time ago. And, uh, and uh, he stopped me and said, who said that you have to like them? And I just kind of felt like it was something that you have to do. He said, you don't have to like them. But, but Mark, you need to learn how to honor them. And that delineation of liking them, or being of the same mindset or whatever, and just learning to honor them was actually really pivotal for me. Because I can, I can honor someone even though I dislike them. Maybe I see things differently. I, we, we hope for different outcomes. But I can still honor them and lift, lift up their own dignity as a person. I love the way you, again, go back to the specific words 
uh, of the of the wisdom saying itself, and that's very helpful to our discussion, and I, I bet it is to our listeners. Uh, the word is honor, uh, and that's so important to come back to that word as you have. It helps us understand. It doesn't necessarily mean love. In fact, you know, we have the great uh, commandment to honor our parents, to yeah. honor, honor our mother and our father. And people come to that and say, well, I don't necessarily love them. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say love them. Yeah. It says honor them. Yeah. And I think uh, honor, just as it says honor here. Uh, and so in a sense, I guess honoring is a form of love where mm-hmm. we can't quite get to love. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that it? Yeah. And so, um, but I like the idea that there's a certain kind of love in honoring that is not the full dose of love itself. Mm-hmm which teaches us a lot about loving kindness. Mm-hmm. We can be kind to another person by honoring them, even if we have strong disagreements, yeah. Yeah. even if we don't uh, want to go their direction. Uh, and I think this is a really important uh, lesson for us. Thank you for that. Thank and you what, for that if, what if people honored each other, it drew out the best qualities in us, rather than dishonoring each other probably breaks down the other in ways that they don't let out. But when we choose to honor, we're actually drawing out the goodness that the other person has or is capable of having. Yeah, there, there's could that could be the, the, the wisdom underneath the wisdom for this. And I think this is really important uh, about loving kindness for reasons we'll get into. Wisdom saying by Rabbi Shimon ben Eleazar. Do not appease a friend at the time of anger. Comfort at the time of sorrow. Question at the time of a vow. And see him at the time of his degradation. We ought to probably break that down one by one so we can get into it a little bit. So this wisdom saying is saying, don't, don't do these things. Don't appease a friend when, when they're angry. Don't comfort at a time of sorrow. Don't question at a time of vow, and don't see him at a time of his degradation. Right, right. And I think in order to get to this at all, possibly, we're going to have to break it down and do it one by one. So appease a friend at the time of anger. Uh, Now, let me just make one statement before we get into this. I would make the contention that the conventional view of loving kindness is that we should do all of these things. Yeah, no, I, I had to read this several times before I, I, I got where it, where he was going. Right. I mean, isn't it our instinct to think that loving kindness requires us to do what here is being, we're being told not to do right. in each case? So the issue for us is, if we agree with any of this, why is it instead truly loving to avoid acting yeah. rather than acting yeah. in each one of these cases. Let's yeah. let's uh, look at them. So our friend is really, really, really angry. And this is saying your inclination is to go in there and to try to uh, discuss this with your friend and to try to kind of appease them or to pull them out of their anger uh, right at the moment of their great anger. This is saying that's not wise and, in fact, that's not loving. Why is that right or wrong, do you think? So my thought is this will probably be the same for all of them. Yeah. But all of these reactions or these experiences, you can't undercut. 
So it's not a it's not a loving thing to come in and try to squelch whatever is happening. Yeah. So oftentimes, like I am the worst about this in marriage, where Jen will be going through something, and rather than just being with her and sitting with her and listening to her, I just try to fix it. I try to appease or comfort or just make whatever the experience stop and end. And that's actually not loving. <laughs> it Sometimes it has to run its course before it could truly be resolved and healed and restored. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think you've got it. I think you've nailed it. Uh, I think that's exactly right. We we don't want a friend to be going through the pain and the yeah. sadness of sorrow. Right. So we go in there and provide comfort. And co- there is a time for comfort. Right. Right? Right. But uh, you can't take the cause of the sorrow away from yeah. a person. Yeah. By just saying, I don't want you to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or let me give you comfort at a time when you're not really even perhaps ready for right, it or should right, be ready for right. it. The same is true when you make a vow. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I probably have talked to you about this vow Yeah, right. as a friend. Yeah, I probably yeah. told you, you should, I've given you questions. I've given you doubts. I've told you, you should worry. Maybe don't do this. Yeah. A business or a spouse or some other decision you've made. Well, now you've come to the point, you've heard all the advice, right. and you've made the decision. You've made, you've made the and vow. And you made the vow, yeah. and I'm going to keep questioning yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. I think it's time for me, after a lot of advice, to just be your friend yeah. and, and to go ahead and live with you and yeah. try my best. The same, it seems to me. Uh, we don't want... There are times when we just are so feel so degraded or something very bad has happened or we've done wrong... Uh, where where we just need to be alone. Yeah, um, I think you're right. In all these cases, we need to let life yeah run its be experienced. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Did you ever see this? this is going to be you're, you you bring up uh, uh, great wisdom sayings from the Jewish tradition. I'm going to bring up a movie called, from Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Inside Out? I don't think so. Oh, it's so so good. But it 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 speaks of this wisdom. It it talks about how this one child is not healthy because uh, she won't let herself have sorrow. And so she just blows sunshine and happiness at all the problems. And that actually holds her back from growing and maturing. And it's only after she's learned to deal with sorrow and despair and loss that she actually can graduate and move on. And uh, so a little wisdom from Pixar. Pixar. We bring wisdom from all sources because we are, Mark, a shared word. <laughs> shared word. <laughs> Let's close out with this uh, wisdom saying, which I think has a surface meaning and a deeper meaning, which I think, I hope, will allow us to close out in, in a fairly nice way our discussion today about loving kindness. This is from Rava. Greater is he that lends than he then gives alms. Mm-hmm. But he that aids by taking a part in a business undertaking is greater than either. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is talking, let's talk about the service level. This is talking about business. Uh, and it's saying there are three levels of helping somebody or being involved with somebody, I should say. Uh, and it seems to say that taking part in the business is the most admirable Lending money to the person is se- is second, and giving alms or charity is yeah. third. Do you agree with that? I do. Yeah. And, and why? And, and guess which one's the easiest to do? Give something. Give it. Yeah. Oftentimes, I feel like, you know, even in, in you know, just for me, just being honest, there's times where someone will ask for money, and I will give them money just so I can end that interaction. Right. 
when it actually is not all that helpful, it's pretty, honestly, it's pretty selfish, even though it's me giving alms. And I also walk away feeling great about myself. But it actually takes much more intention and care and there's so much more loving kindness with investing in something, into someone, into their future, their abilities, their giftings. Uh, It's it's a lot more relational than simply just giving alms or even lending uh, to actually walk alongside someone else. That seems to be wise. I think so. And I think you've taken it, uh, as I was hoping we would, from just a business setting or an enterprise to life. Mm -hmm. I think kind of where I heard you going at the end of that was love involves investment. Mm -hmm. Love involves real participation. Uh, I'm there. I'm walking with you. We saw this really in all the statements we've looked at today. It's not something that one does from afar. One does it face to face. One does it heart to heart. Uh, and as Buber said, one does it in a way in which I see the thou in you yeah. and I walk with you. And if I see the thou in you and it's I thou, it's me with you and with God, uh, we do it as a partnership. We live together in ways in which we uh, tackle things and the I is very yeah. much with the you yeah. in life. Yeah. And it seems to me that's what love is all about. Yeah, And, it, you know, to take it on the, in a grand scale... How did God choose to meet the world and all, all of its needs? Just to dole out, all right, I'm going to fix this thing over there and that thing over there. Or is it to pop in and pop out? No, God has chosen to walk with humanity in the re- restoration of this world. And that relational, uh, experiential presence of God, I think, is calling us to live that wisdom out. Of, this is how God is love. God is present. God is with us. And God is investing into people for the restoration of all the world. So let's go in the world. Let's do it. Good. This is great. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Andy.